Psalm 42 says this. As the deer longs for the water books, brooks, so longs my soul for you, O God. My soul is a thirst for God, a thirst for the living God. When shall I come to appear before the presence of God? If you would, uh, maybe it would help to close your eyes for this moment too, but, but close your eyes and, and practice saying that to God. In your own words, my soul is a thirst for God, for the living God. Tell God right now in your own words, in your own heart, I'm thirsty for you. I want you. Maybe it's just to say, God, I, I don't have anybody else. I need you. The psalmist goes on to say, my tears have been my food day and night. While all day long they say to me, where now is your God? I pour out my soul when I think on these things, how I went with the multitude and led them into the house of God with the voice of thanksgiving and prayer among those who keep the holy day. He says, why are you so full of heaviness, O my soul? And why are you so disquieted within me? I was meditating on this and I, I realized that the psalmist here is thinking back to how things were and missing how things were back then. Maybe for some of us here, even, even something like just coming to church on Sunday feels different than it used to. I don't know if some of you feel that way sometimes. But now, if you would, practice closing your eyes again in the quietness of your own heart. It's okay to say this to God. Just, just maybe say, God, I, I miss feeling this way. God, I miss the way it was when I was younger, when I just met you, maybe, when you were my first love. It's okay to, to share these things with God. And then finally, the psalmist says, put your trust in God. He's speaking to us now. Put your trust in God, for I will yet give thanks to him who is my help and my God. The beautiful thing about journeying with Jesus is he's always up to something new. And so now, even maybe with that feeling of I miss the way it was, let's practice together just saying, God, my hope is still in you. And I still trust that you're going to do a new thing. I trust it's going to be even better, God, than it was before. My hope is in you. And in the quietness of, of this moment, um, if you would, I, I just want to take a moment to feel for and to grieve the lives that were lost uh, last night in, in South Korea. So would you just offer up just your feelings about that and your prayers for those families with me right now? Lord, would you comfort them?
Lord, would your presence, your real living presence be felt there right now? We as your church say our hope is in you with our brothers and sisters around the world today. Amen. Y'all can take a seat. Thank you so much. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is DJ. If I haven't met you yet, thank you for joining us here on Sunday. Um, it is one of the highlights of my entire week to come here and see a lot of faces in this room. And even the ones I, I don't know yet, it just makes me super happy to see you guys. So thank you for coming to uh, what, what we call, sometimes call the family table here on Sunday morning. This is like the dinner table where the family gets together and gets our family time in. Um, if you're new here this morning, maybe joining us for the first time or have only been here at Ocean Hills for a couple of times, we have a really easy way for you to get connected and just get a little more plugged into our church. Uh, we got these fancy connect cards, doing it old school way. When you walked in, go ahead and fill that out and drop that in the box. There's a prayer request on there too. Another one of the highlights of my week is we get together as a staff on Mondays and we actually pray individually for every prayer request that's put in those back boxes as you guys leave. And so don't feel like you're just throwing those to the wind. We see those and we pray for you every single Monday because uh, that's just what we like to do. Um, additionally, uh, there's a whole lot going on this season, and there's way too much for me to stand up here and tell you about, but I'd encourage you to go to oceanhills.org, our website, and you're going to find a bunch of information about things coming up. We're doing a homecoming dance, if you didn't catch me in the, uh, in the fancy clothes last week. Um, we're doing uh, Serve the City is the same weekend. It's a whole weekend we're calling Connect, Grow, Serve weekend, and so go online, check that out. That's right there. And then finally, uh, part of being able to do what we do, uh, like Serve the City, like just being this missional movement, not just in Santa Barbara, but around the world, as you'll hear today from our speaker, uh, it, that all entails having the whole family moving with us, having us all in it together. And so a big part of that, let's just be real, is money. We need money to bless our neighborhood. We need money to do the things we do. Uh, and I love how this church has been so faithful in our giving. I love little Lana and uh, little Lana and Caitlin Howard who give like I think 75 cents or a dollar every single week in an envelope and they drop it in the back. They're in like second and third grade. But that's the kind of faithfulness that I see. And I'm like, God is doing something really good there. So thank you to all of you for doing that in your own little ways and helping us move forward again, this mission that Jesus has given us, not just here but around the world. Um, I'm done up here, but before I pass the mic over to my friend, uh, it's a great joy as a church, again, not just to be involved with compassion, mercy, and justice here in Santa Barbara, but to be partnering with communities around the world. World Vision is an organization we love and we trust and who we've been involved with for so many years. And, and personally, uh, I, I tend to sometimes be a little bit critical, I will be honest, of of global movements and whatnot and, and global missions, I, I sometimes look at with a little bit more criticism just because of historically it hasn't been uh, completely ethical at times. So the way we've gone about things hasn't been the best. World Vision has done such a good job of staying with it, of partnering with communities at the local level and empowering local leaders 
to be the true leaders of their community. And so it's with just full confidence and with a ton of stoke and excitement that I get to welcome Lindsay here today. She's the national director of Team World Vision. So we're, we're actually privileged to have her today. She, she flew here from Ohio and she's about to bring a word. And I just wanna say before she comes up, some of you are checking out because you're like, I'm not gonna run a marathon, man. But let me tell you something, she's about to bring a word I think that will bless you wherever you're at. And I would just encourage you, just ask the question, could there be something in store for me that God has today? Ask yourself that question, be open to that, okay? Lindsay, it's an honor to have you here with us. Kids, fifth through eighth. High schoolers, you're staying in today. Kids, fifth through eighth, it's your time to leave as Lindsay comes on up. Thank you all. All right, I think we're gonna roll a video to get started. Quite possibly, maybe not. Nope, maybe not. Okay, we're just gonna get started. Awesome, this is good. All right, so my name is Lindsay and you probably have uh, two questions that uh, maybe coming to you this morning. One being, who is this lady? And two, is she really gonna ask me to run a marathon? And um, well, to let you know, I am a lady completely transformed radically by Jesus. And yeah, I am gonna ask you to run a marathon. <laughs> But it's okay. That's not happening right yet, okay? So we're going to pray, and then I've got some other real questions just to dig in with, all right? Lord Jesus, speak to us. Reveal yourself to us. Open our eyes to see who you truly are and what you're doing in this world. Lord, um, enlighten us today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So with that first question, and we're going to find out if we're like dialogue-y people or if we're maybe a little standoffish people, but I like a little dialogue, all right? So first question, what is it about Jesus that captivates you? Unconditional love, grace, kindness, mercy, strength. What was that one? Timeless. Friendship. Yeah. All right, second question for you. What is it about the kingdom that captivates you? It's for everyone. No pain. Hope. Abundance. Everlasting love. Community, home. Well, keep those stirring in you. Maybe write them down in the journal, make a little mark, think about them throughout the week. Um, but there are three prayers that have shaped my life. Um, 18 years old, sitting in a, a chapel in college. Um, I was a kid who really didn't care about Jesus and really didn't care to be there. But there was this fiery female speaker, you know, that spoke straight into my heart that day. And she invited us to pray these three, she said, quite dangerous prayers. 
Lord, open my eyes to see the world as you see it. Break my heart with what breaks yours and empty us of all but love. And then she invited us every time we opened our Bibles to actually ask, Jesus, show me who you really are. And friends, I don't know about you, but over the last few months, maybe the last few years, the world has been in quite a swirl, has it not been? And with that, I've felt like I've been in a swirl. And to be honest, I look at the church and I look to a lot of things and I just, I don't know. I just don't know. And I've been more so with these three prayers, finding myself praying, Jesus, show me who you really are, but also what are you about? With the world as it is, Jesus, what are you really about? And I feel like I've been searching and groaning and moaning, and I'm just frustrated and saddened by the world, by the brokenness of the church. And I just find myself saying, Jesus, how is it that you want me to live? And scripture tells us, right, that sometimes God will come in and speaks through the wind or through the fire or in the rain and the storms, sometimes in the earthquake, right? And other times in the whisper, right? But this summer, um, in the middle of the summertime crazy, my epic vacation from Ohio to visit some friends from California. I lived here for years, loved it deeply. Just recently moved back to Ohio to be close to family. I have a three-year-old. So we, my husband and I got in the car, 12, 13 hours to Missouri, out on a lake, living our best life with water wings and a three-year-old, then back into the car and across over to Georgia to be with his family. And I'm talking summertime exhaustion, living life to the fullest. And if you all know me a little bit, I tend to come in a little hot. So just like me and then a three-year-old mini-me, all out, summertime fun, right? And the people that know me know me that this is true. And I found myself laid out on a couch at my mother-in-law's house, and there was a video on. And we don't really watch videos that much. Like, literally in three years, Thea's probably seen four movies. So this is, like, not our thing. But we are summertime, exhausted, out on this couch. We've got cousins. There's a video on. And I'm like, well, this is about to happen. And I thought, I'm going to get a nap. And it was just so special, her and I curled up onto this couch, one of those random moments that we just don't have very often. And Sing 2 was on. Anybody know this movie? I, I don't know Sing 1, so let alone Sing 2. Here we are, right? It starts. And I was completely captivated because it's all of these songs. It's a story of an underdog. And the songs, I mean, it's brilliant. All the adults know the songs and can sing along. And all the kids are, like, wrapped up into the goodness. And it's just like this scrappy, fun cartoon movie. And it's in that moment, right? Not in the wind or the earthquake or the whisper that God chooses to speak to me, but through a porcupine cartoon and a lion. And I'm telling you, the good news hit me like a ton of bricks. So check out this clip.
couch. I've climbed the highest mountain. I've run through the fields only to be with you. But I still haven't found. Does anybody feel it? Right? I so desperately want to be with Jesus. We all, want, we all want all things to be restored, right? But we find ourselves in a world just chasing and chasing and chasing. In these lyrics, right? I believe in the kingdom come where all the colors, they bleed into one. But yes, I'm still running. Thank you, Bono, for this truth, right, that he's declaring. It's not his, right? But he's declaring it. You've broke the bonds. You've loosed the chains. You've carried the cross of my shame. You know, and I'm like literally with Bono, with the lion. You know I believe it. Yet I still haven't found. I mean, is anybody tired today? But there's hope, right? That Jesus can speak through anything, anywhere, through anyone, at any time. Even a cartoon lion. And in that moment, God just spoke into my yearning, right? And I'm so thankful, right? Don't take, get me wrong here. I am so thankful for what Jesus has done, right? But I recognize, and I think we all need to recognize that it's okay to want more than the status quo. That God has more for us, and he's not done yet. Amen? And many of us, you've probably heard, right, that the scholars over time talk about the kingdom of God as the already but not yet. Anybody with me? Yep, the here but not yet, right? And we are stuck in the suck of the middle. And we kind of got to embrace that suck right? As people who are floundering through our faith, through people who might know Jesus and feel good about our faith, for people who might not know the difference. God is here, but not yet. And we are called to live into the more. So literally coming out of that, that movie, 
I became immersed into just searching and reading about the kingdom of God because I started asking this question, but Jesus, what really was your message? What really is your message? And you know, a lot of us would say a one word answer and it probably starts with L. Right? And it is, but I don't think that's complete right? It's not complete. And if you look, Mark 15, 1, 1 15, right? That's where Jesus proclaims, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God has come. Repent and believe in the good news, right? And I've always kind of hated that because I felt like there was like this hellfire and brimstone attached to that, right? And people have wielded that like a weapon. But this is the good news, my friends, that the kingdom of God is near, and if you look into the Old Testament, the kingdom of God is, appears 53 times, and it's synonymous with the kingdom of heaven, which is a little confusing, right? Because we think of heaven as this far out place, but Jesus is actually the one talking about this 85 different times in the New Testament, and it's almost every time Jesus who's speaking. And he talks about the kingdom both in the present tense and the future tense, right? Just so interesting but it's never a far away place, never. And that is one thing I want, like if you're taking notes, Lord help you and I pray that these are good notes for you. But one thing you need to know is that the kingdom cannot be re like confused with a location far away because we minimize the power of the kingdom of God when we make it remote and concentrated in a specific location. We're missing its power. For where there the work of God is, is the reign of God. Amen? And you all have been talking a lot about this, right? That the kingdom is not about kings and power and conquering specific locations, but about a reign of God, a sovereign power or authority that isn't just recovering the sight of the person who's blind or healing the person, right, that individual who cannot walk, or even just saving you or me. God's kingdom is actively reconciling all of those things, all of together. And this is why I am so pumped that you all have been sitting in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, and really, we did not plan this. This is something that God has been stirring in my heart this whole time. And then I get this call from Brianna, and I'm talking to Jono, and he's like, we're sitting in the Sermon on the Mount. And then he's like, and we're at chapter 6 right here. Like, this is all, and I'm like, what? And I'm reading it and watching this come together. But here's the thing, is that for those of us that choose to follow God up that mountain, and to sit with Jesus and let those words soak all over us, and that vision pour out, for those of us that are willing, we find out that this is everything. The Sermon on the Mount is flipping the script of what his followers, of people, of religions, of cultures thought about the world. It's flipping the script for us, for people inside and outside of this room, of who Jesus really is and what really matters. And I think there's three points that we need to realize that he's doing right in this. One, he's deepening our awareness right? He's realigning our worldview, and he's reconnecting us to one another. He's deepening our awareness, realigning our worldview, and connecting us together. 
And I think it's a really important point that we know that when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, he makes it known that the kingdom of God is not in their hearts, but in their midst, in all of society, right? The communal experience. And Jesus is doing this work. Where he's doing this work, there is the kingdom of God. Where work of God is happening, there is the kingdom of God. Amen? Richard Rohr talks about it like this, right? Father Richard Rohr. He says, the reign of God is not about a world without pain or mystery, but simply a world where we can be in real contact with all things. And then the whole world is our temple, our church. And then we can realistically hope for both a new heaven and a new earth as the Bible promises. A world where we can be in real contact with all things. And that's God's aim, right? This is the glimpse of heaven, connectivity. And this is where we come into our text today, right? Matthew 6, 1 to 4. It says, be careful to not practice. Be careful to, to not, or yeah, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. But truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Friends, I know we've heard this time and time again, and we've got this kind of narrowed down and understood. And maybe some of you, this is the first time you're seeing it, you're like, okay, I get it. Great. Yeah, we're not supposed to be real showy, you know, but it's, I think it's relegated our giving and our generosity as though like we've got to be in secret. And Jesus, hello, hide your light under a bushel. No. I'm going to let it shine, right? Like he never, if you ever feel like God is relegating you to a shadow, that is not Jesus. That is not the church. If you feel like you're moving into a place of shame or quietness or isolation, that is not Jesus, my friends. And when he's talking about giving in secret, I think again, right, we said that God is deepening our awareness, right? We hear it all the time, and you've heard it a lot, I'm sure, going, going through this. It's like seven times in chapter five, you've heard it said. But very truly, I tell you, God isn't abolishing the law, right? He says, I came to fulfill it. He's deepening our awareness here, and I am coming to believe that generosity is the currency of the kingdom. That generosity is the currency of the kingdom. It is in our giving and receiving that we are most human. And it is in the process of giving and receiving that we are transformed. Check it out. Amen. Let's go. All right. Because here's the thing. I think this is the secret part. It's not that it's secret, but it is almost so good and it's happening so intentionally and so innately that within giving and receiving, there's this connectivity and currency and energy of the kingdom that connects us. He's deepening our awareness 
he's realigning our worldview to his and he's connecting us, right? So when you take your giving and you go over here and you're like, woo, you're coming out of the circle of the invisible currency and energy, the generosity that is the kingdom, right? And here's the beautiful but maybe awful truth that we all need to hear today, but it is unbelievably good that you can't meet your own needs. You can't, not all of them by yourself. You're an incredible human that was fearfully and wonderfully made, but you cannot meet all of your own needs on your own. And God never intended you to. It's within the giving and the receiving and the connectivity that we are whole. Amen? It's all about our posture in the here but not yet. Because we live in a world of scarcity and the world is going to tell you that you need to be afraid. But the kingdom of God is about abundance and freedom. And the honesty is we need to learn how to be better, more gracious and generous receivers. Because there are things that people need to give. And there are things that you need to receive. And when you don't receive that gift, you are wiping away someone else's generosity. You're not letting them live out what they are being called to do. And what's amazing, right, is as a giver, when you give and you can actually play that role and meet someone else's need, you're transformed just as much. There's no guilt. There's no, like, what's the word? Like, resentment. That like, oh, I've got to give. i got to give. i got to give. No, man, we get to give. Because here's the thing. There's a poverty of access, People don't have access to the things that they need, and there's a poverty there. But we got to know in America and in lots of places of wealth and prosperity, of privilege, there is a poverty of excess. And that excess is blocking our connectivity to the kingdom of God. And when we spread that all out and we all connect, God does incredible things, my friends. And I want to remind you this morning that you might feel like you got nothing to give. Maybe it's your time, maybe it's your energy, maybe it's your money, but I'm telling you, God's got something to give you. And it's in our little yes moments that he creates kingdom movements. Amen? It's in our little yes moments that he creates those kingdom movements. It's in the thin spaces and the hard places, in the here but not yet, that God is at work. Right? Ephesians, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we could ask or imagine, according to his work or his power already at work, where? In us, right? It goes on to say, to him be all the power and the glory forever and ever, for all generations. So friends, what does that mean? That what we do in the here and the now, while it involves us, it's not about us. That God will do so much more, and it includes everyone in all time, in all things. So pop quiz. What denomination are you all part of? Yes, you can say that with some pride, right? The covenant, the evangelical covenant church, right? You're lots of churches in the, in the country that come together to do great things. And we have done some bad things over the years. I'm not saying necessarily the covenant, but when we do big things together, we mess it up, don't we? Because the church is just a bunch of broken, messed up people. Not being right, but trying to get it right. 
But the covenant man, I'm telling you, as you guys are trying to get it right, you are doing a lot of right things. Do you know that you actually partner with the Covenant Church of Congo? That there has been a global partnership for 85 years. That is incredible. And I'm not talking about white savior, American power, coming over and telling them how their lives need to be, but an, a mutual edification and transformation that's happening that recognizes the inherent dignity in people and restores broken circumstances, both here and there. That currency of the kingdom for 85 years. And what's amazing to me about that is that, do you know that the Congo has only been independent from Belgium colonial rule for 60 years? So the fact that they were even trusting Americans in the midst of that is mind-boggling to me. But I don't think, I think that people were trusting God. They were leaning into the kingdom, right? 85 years of partnership. And about 10 years ago, the covenant came to World Vision and said, we have a partnership and a church and a trust and a commitment to the people of Congo and the people to the United States. And what if you, as the the top-notch Christian developmental organization in the world, the number one provider of clean water on the planet, the number one distribution of food aid in the world, would you partner with us so that we can radically meet the needs of kids that are suffering from extreme poverty in the Congo? What if we let go of all of the this, that, and the other, and we came together as the body of Christ to get it done? Lives transform. That's what's happening, right? It's not about power over, but power with and power to and connectivity to the living God. So when 10 years ago, these questions were being asked, right? Guess who stepped up? You all. Nine years ago, you heard the call and you have not looked back since Check this out, your impact over the years through hundreds of people from this community inside and outside of these walls have stepped through fear and sacrificially given of your time, of your energy, of your money, of your bodies, of your comfort. Let's be honest, that's an important currency in our lives, isn't it? Our comfort, that we're willing to give of that to take on miles whether biking or running or walking or walking or one foot in front of the other and just getting it done, dragging, crawling. You guys have allowed women and children to drop jerry cans and stop life-threatening daily walks and let them trade them for school books and business plans. Yes, yes. Over nine years, look at this, $1.3 million, over 26,000 lives transformed. And what does that mean? It does mean jerry cans dropped, girls protected, women freed, men restored. Marriages revived. Do you actually know, and this is, this is a sad, did you know, that men abandoned their families? and beat their wives and their kids due to the pressure of extreme poverty. I mean, it's a major problem. I think most of us are aware of it. We usually cast those people out as awful people, but let me be clear, I've met some of these men and it's not because they want to, but because they slip into this deep depression. They fall victim to, to alcoholism and because they can't make ends meet and they know all too well that they're sending their women and their, their wives and their daughters out to walk for water every day and they know the risks that they're facing. 
these men fall victim to complete desperation, which leads them to awful decision-making. And we don't talk about that enough, friends, because when you move your feet and that water comes, you are freeing men of that existence too. See, when you, if you have walked, run, cycled, or donated in the last nine years to this epic kingdom impact, will you please stand? If you've walked, if you've run, if you've donated, if you've cycled, Wait, keep standing. Keep standing. You got to stand back up over there. I know you like stood up a little gently and then you sit back down. Stand back up. I'm looking at you. Yep, go ahead. Yep, you're a part of this. Because you need to know this. This is an important declaration right now. You started doing this in 2014. In 2016, the World Vision partnered with the UN and declared that we were going to try to reach everyone everywhere we work by 2030. That was 50 million people at the time. Today, 25 million of those people have been reached because of you. Yeah, and check this out. One more thing. While you're standing, receive the good news that when you started and we were standing here, 1,600 kids were dying every day under the age of five due to things like diarrhea. Today, it's 800. Friends, that's not good enough, but that is half the mothers that aren't crying. Those are half the kids that aren't dying because you were willing to live generously. Thank you. You can sit down now. Yes, yeah. So here's the thing. In the next five years, we have a plan in place for 200,000 more people in DR Congo to receive clean water. And I know that some of you are all numbers people, so that's good, but some of you are more like names and faces, right, than the facts and the figures type of people. So can I tell you a quick story? Thank you. Appreciate that. All right, because I was going to tell you anyway. So I actually just heard this story this week about Patricia, okay? And Patricia is an 18-year-old that lives with her grandmother, and she loves school. And at the age of 16, Patricia was making four trips, two before school, two after school, about three kilometers every trip out to her local water source, which was basically just a, a stream, right? And she carried a 20-liter gallon jerry can on her head as she went. And even though it looked clean, it was contaminated because dogs and goats and pigs used that stream as a bath and a bathroom. And if that's not bad enough, there were boys and men who deliberately would stand on her path and harass her and threaten her. And even some of them told her that they would carry her water for her if she would just sleep with them. Every day, four times a day. And on one fateful day, Patricia and her grandmother were actually receiving visitors from another village. So with that, they needed more water than usual, which means she needed to travel more trips to the stream than usual. And under pressure and the timeline that was necessary, she gave in. She did get pregnant, and she was expelled from school. And under law, you actually are allowed to go back to school after you give birth, but she was afraid of the past repeating itself. So under the weight of motherhood and the challenges of the water and everything else, she slipped into depression. But friends, this year, World Vision implemented a well just 200 meters from her home. 
and she has a beautiful six-month-old baby who is happy and healthy, and she is back in school. These are the lives that you're changing. Yes, this is what we're doing. And just quickly, I want to remind you that currency of generosity isn't just over there, but it's right here too. I want you to see, this is Emily. Emily just finished the Chicago Marathon. And this spring, when she heard this invitation, she was actually coming out of addiction and had little to offer anyone. She said, yesterday, I that was one of the best days of my life. The first 19 miles, I felt unstoppable. But the last six, oh, I walked quite a bit because of some knee pain. Hashtag truth, right? But how crazy is that, though? Five months ago, I was a couch potato in my first month of recovery from addiction. And now the fact that I can comfortably run 19 miles is a miracle. Thank you for this challenge, World Vision. It has changed my life. I will see you next year without a doubt. And friends, last year at the finish line of LA Marathon, we have a tent with a red carpet. We are red carpet people. And when you get to the top of that red carpet, we put, your, my, like, we put our arms around you. This is reserved for snotty tears and crying. And you're like, and I'm like, I know, I know. And we're all, but as one runner got to the top of that red carpet and started making that walk down, a spouse was right next to one of our staff members. And she said, you know, my husband slipped into depression and wouldn't get off the couch all throughout COVID. But he said yes to this. And when training started, he didn't. And I got out one of those yes mugs that you gave us. And I said, you said yes to this. And he got off that couch and he finished that marathon. And she said to the staff member, I feel like I got my husband back. Friends, when we step out of our comfort zones and we say yes to whatever Jesus is inviting us into, our lives are changed too. Amen? So here it comes. I am inviting you, yes, indeed, to run or walk the charity challenge at LA Marathon, which is a half marathon, or the full marathon this March. And training starts in November, and we take it one step at a time, and we do it for those kids, and we do it for each other, and we do it together every week. We start with 20 minutes, and we build up to bigger miles than you want to know that I won't mention right now because it'll scare you. But if you can do 20 today, I'm telling you, you can see that red carpet in March. And friends, if you don't think you can, I want you to see three people right here. They're going to pop up. The first one's Henry, 86 years old, crushing the Ellie Marathon every year. Ron Thomas, over 300 pounds, started just walking with his church. And he is a transformed man today. You would not recognize him. And finally, this is Kathy. And I'm going to read this to you. Kathy is a school teacher in Chicago Marathon, or in Chicago. And when she said yes, this is what she said. And I realized for the past five years that I have been wearing a set of labels that I wouldn't have chosen. Divorced, single mom, unhealthy, scatterbrained, messy. But in this season, I got new labels. Committed, disciplined, runner, loved. And my students saw a girl in a cape setting big goals and meeting them. And they gave me new labels too. Superhero. And I cannot wait to see what God has next. Don't we all want to get rid of some old labels the world has put on us? Are we all ready for the new ones in the kingdom? So here's how it's going to work. 
If there is anything in you that's saying, oh, God, I might need to do this. Or maybe I think God has called me to do this. You're just going to come right down front right after the service, and we're going to have a 10-minute info session. Whether you're a runner, you're a walker, you're one foot in front of the other, you're a I hate running, I could never do this, or maybe you're a cyclist and you want to be on that team. You're going to come on down front, and whether you've done it before or not, we need you to come on down front so we can be together, and we're going to walk you through how you do that 10 minutes right after the service, okay? But right now, we're going to worship, and we're going to be together. And we're going to worship that living God who transforms us through that currency of generosity. Amen.